You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Kate DiCamillo is a New York Times bestselling author and a former U.S. National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. She became successful after almost a decade of rejection letters. Her first novel, Because of Winn-Dixie, was so successful, it started her career as a storyteller in earnest. She's released a new book for children called Ramey Nightingale and has plans for a picture book called La 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 that's being released later this year. We have five advanced copies to give away at the end of this interview, so stay tuned for that. Kate is in Australia for the Sydney Writers' Festival. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. What um, draws you to write for children? I started off wanting to write adult books, and I got a job in a book warehouse. It was a book distributor, and I was assigned to the third floor, which was all children's books. And as a reader... Um, It was only a certain amount of time before all those books that I was picking off the shelves. I I started to read them, and I kind of fell in love with what you can do with a kid's book. Part of the reason that I love writing for children is because there's this—you're kind of duty-bound to uh, offer hope at the end of a story, and I love what that does— to me as a person and how it changes the story that I write. And also when you write for kids, there's always kind of what I think of as peripheral magic, like magic that you can just catch out of the corner of your eye. And that's just that possibility. It kind of it's uh, imbued. That's such a beautiful way of putting it. Oh, well, you're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> but it does, when you say that, it does bring back to me all the books that I loved as a kid and it reminds just, you why you yeah, loved them. Yeah, it's that even if it's not literal magic, it's just that potential that you can feel everywhere. And I love that. And it's the same as it is with the hope. I love what it does to me as a writer um, and how it it changes what I do. Uh, I read somewhere that you quoted um, the author who wrote Bridge to Terabithia. Yes, Catherine Patterson. One of my most treasured books as a child. Is it? I love that book. It's funny because I've been talking to the kids all week and I don't know what uh, is read here, but that's so huge in the States and was such a big influence on me. And it's actually Catherine Patterson who says that you are duty bound when you write for children. Well, so it's so interesting because I do remember that book being incredibly sad and your works for children don't steer away from things like sadness, loneliness, loss, that sort of thing. Tell us about how those themes um, are kind of part of this book, Ramey Nightingale, and why it's important to write these tales as well, even though you have hope in them, that they cover off all those sorts of shades. Yeah, so Ramey's story is that... um, Her father has left, and she gets it in her head that if she enters uh, the Little Miss Central Florida Tire Contest, wins the contest, gets her picture in the paper, then her father will come back home. So it it immediately, even with the setup, it's it's fraught. You're going to be talking about some big things, abandonment and this powerlessness that you feel as a child with what adults do or don't do. And... You know, it's funny because I think almost all of my books have equal measures of sadness and darkness and 
hope and light and joy. Probably they err a little bit more on the side of joy, but all of those dark things are in there. And as a kid, it always frustrated me when, uh, as a reader, somebody was condescending to me. When you're a kid, you live in this world. You see that all kinds of terrible things can happen. So you want somebody to tell you the truth in a story, but you also want the truth to be made bearable. And I think that that's the job of somebody who writes for kids. It's that hope again. Bridge to Terabithia breaks your heart, but it also, it makes you feel loved and it makes you feel seen and you feel like somebody, I just wrote a introduction for the, the anniversary edition of that book and she tells the truth in there. And because of that, you feel seen as a kid. And it doesn't leave out the magic. Right. It does not. It's it's right there. The hem of it is right there and you can touch it. Yeah. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and I'm speaking with author Kate DiCamillo, who writes for children. Her latest book for, I'd say, primary school age children mm-hmm. is called Ramy Nightingale. We're just chatting about that and the themes of, uh, I suppose, light and darkness and the idea that hope is so important in children's books. Kate, you also, um, as I mentioned in the introduction, have a picture book, which I understand you haven't done for a while. Not for a long time. And not only is it a picture book, it's a picture book with uh, the, the title, as you said at the beginning, is La La La. And those are the only words that appear. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you did a lot of writing in this one. <laughs> so this was like a little thing that I sketched out. And um, I can't draw. Um, but like I kind of storyboarded it. And so, um, and here it is. And it's, gosh, it's, it's a funny position to be in because... Um, this art is so fabulous that I have forgotten that I ever had anything to do <laughs> with. So I can just admire it. You yep. know, sometimes when you're standing there with a new book, um, you, you, you're really worried about what people are going to make of it. And I don't feel that with this because it feels just like this gift that she has given to me with his artwork, which is just stunning. So it's, it's, it is, um, a, a story of hope. So it brings us back full circle to, you know, where we started this conversation. Hope. And and so it's about a little girl that's singing. What's her story? She's looking for somebody uh, and singing and no, nobody sings back, but yet she keeps on singing. And in the end, she is answered. It, in an odd way, is exactly what has happened to me as a writer. You know, you, you said in the beginning all those rejections. And so you keep on singing and then somebody answers you back and you sing together because that's what happens when somebody reads your book. It's, it's you singing together. Beautiful. Now, um, one of the things I think lots of parents and carers of young children these days really hope their children can learn through life is resilience. If there isn't a better definition of resilience than what you went through to, in order to, to uh, become a successful writer, I don't know what is. I mean, you had an incredible amount of, I suppose we, we call them rejection letters. Right. And it's, it's funny because in talking, because I've done, you know, the school week for the uh, Writers Festival. And so I've talked to a huge amount of kids. And again and again, the question comes up from the kids, well, why? Why did you keep on going? And because I'll stand up there in front of the number, it's 473 rejection letters. And um, I always say to them, it, it's so terrifying to me to think, what if I'd given up at 471? What if I'd given up at 472? And what I decided was I couldn't make myself talented, but I could make myself 
be relentless about doing the work and sending the work out into the world. So that was just the decision I made that I wasn't going to give up. And so for you, that relentlessness, I mean, you say that you, you know, it's about hard work, not necessarily talent, but you've obviously got um, talent to touch children and a way of expressing these worlds to them that connects with them. I I don't know that I have Because you're not a child anymore, right? No, I'm not a child anymore. In the very first interview I did, when when Dixie came out, which was my first book, and it's told from the viewpoint of a 10-year-old, it's a first-person account, and the interviewer said to me, so how do you get into the mind of a 10-year-old? And I was I just was kind of gobstopped by the question because the answer is so clear to me. I was a ten year old, and but I, I have come and to believe in talking to people and doing interviews and, and discussing all this that maybe that ten year old is much more uh, accessible to me than it is to other people. And boy, I'm grateful for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a lot of people or adults who'd like to have that connection. Yeah, I'm I'm glad for the company of that and the hope of that. That that 10-year-old is a very hopeful person. So you read a lot as a child. I tell my daughter now, who's learning how to read, that that was one of my biggest joys as a kid, just being able to escape into another land, another world. I think my parents worried I escaped a little bit too much. (laughs) Go outside and play. No, I'm going to read. That idea of escapism and reading. So she comes home every afternoon. She has a reader. We have to go through the reader. They're not the most inspiring books, but, you know, they're basic. What would you say to parents about the um, value of escapism in reading? reading for children, as opposed to that idea of, here's a book, you have to read this for school. You know, uh, when I uh, served as the national ambassador for young people's literature in the United States, I talked about this so much because I think that we've all forgotten somewhere along the way what a huge privilege it is to read. So we're always presenting it to the kids as, this is something that you must do. And, And instead, it's this great gift. It is utterly endless, the worlds that you can enter. This is like really the key to the kingdom. So to say to a kid, you must do this, always seems like a mistake to me. Rather, it's just like lucky you. Here is this book. And the other thing that I think matters so much is for your child to see you reading, to say, you go and do this reading in your room for 15 minutes. Go and do that. And they don't see you reading for pleasure. It's just like remind them constantly. This is something that a lot of people don't get. You have access to this. You can go to a library and get a book. It's like that's the best deal in the world. You know, anywhere you are, they will give you a library card and the riches of the kingdom are available to you, you know. I love the idea of giving parents permission to read in front of their kids. Right. Because <laughs> I get in trouble when I do it. <laughs> My husband's but, like, oh, mommy's not paying attention because she's right in the middle of a book and I'll be there going, <laughs> just get to the end. should see you doing that. <laughs> it's role modelling, isn't it? Yes, yes. You're told that's so important. Yeah. So before you go, we were speaking briefly about Bridge to Terabithia. I'm kind yeah. of... Curious, I know that we probably have read different books growing up, but if you could tell us maybe two of the books that you loved as a child that were most influential to you and why you loved them so much. Can you give me another one of yours, Bridge to Terabithia? So you give me two of yours and then I'll give you two of mine. Okay, well... um I have to say, C.S. Lewis and um, oh, the, the Lion, the Witch. Of yeah, the Chronicles Narnia. of Narnia. Oh, <laughs> the, the magic of, talk about 
talk about magic, it is so psychologically acute that you can push on the wardrobe and enter into another world. Ah. Mm. Yeah, those those are brilliant. I, I loved those. They're, you know, I was the kind of kid who kind of I read without discretion. If it was a book, I loved it. There were books that I came back to again and again. Um, do, do y'all read Harriet the Spy? I've heard it. Oh, at least our producer's nodding vigorously. Yeah. I didn't read it, but she did. That's <laughs> one of those books that it, it wasn't even until um, I was an adult that I realized how much it influenced me and in my idea of how to be a writer. It kind of gave me permission to be a writer in a way that I wasn't even aware of. So I, I, I came back to that one again and again. I also, um, I loved uh, Paddington. I loved uh, those, the middle grade, you know, the original Paddingtons uh, thrilled me. And I read them again and again. And I've like made little tips of the hat to like Mr. Gruber. Did you read Paddington? No. At least it as well. Uh, yeah, I was just nodding head. I was going to say that uh, Roald Dahl was... Because Roald Dahl was not in the uh, elementary school library. And so I didn't encounter all of those as a kid. I got in half of those as an adult. And I can't believe how fantastic they are. And the thrill that it would give you as a kid to oh, read those. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant no. books. Nobody like him. Nobody yeah. like him. There's there's the adult part of me that when I read like the BFG, I, I'm, I have those spasms of jealousy over like, how did you do this? I want to be able to do this, you know? So there's the writer part of me that's like trying to figure out how he did that. Kate, thank you so much for coming. What to a talk pleasure. To us. Thank you. That was author Kate DiCamillo. Her latest book is called Ramey Nightingale. And as I mentioned at the top of this interview, she's releasing a new picture book called La La La. We have some advanced copies here, five of them. It's a picture book for small children for our littlies. So if you're interested, give us a call now. The number is 1-800-543-772. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.